elevator to International Overdose Awareness Day. What would you say to someone if you had a minute or two to talk about the importance of overdose awareness? Sometimes that's all the time we have, and you want to make those moments count. To support International Overdose Awareness Day, let us share elevator pitches when those moments come to quickly talk about overdose awareness with others. This is Talking Addiction and Recovery, the podcast talking, you guessed it, all about addiction and recovery. Join your host, licensed professional counselor, Andrew J. Schreier, as he and his guests break down recovery topics with raw honesty, delving into niche conversations around the topics of substance abuse, mental health, and gambling. We intend to meet individuals where they are on their own personal journey of recovery with dignity, respect, and compassion. We'll do more than talk addiction and recovery. We'll explore it. We're glad you've joined us. Here with today's episode, your host, Andrew Schreier. The release of this episode is an important day. It is going to be for August 31st, which is International Overdose Awareness Day. And it's the world's largest annual campaign to end overdose. Remember, without stigma, those who have died from overdose and acknowledge the grief of the family and friends who are left behind. The International Overdose Awareness Day theme for this year is recognizing those people who go unseen. It's really about acknowledging people in our communities who are affected by overdose but might go unseen in this crisis. And overdose touches people and communities in many ways. And I really like the theme this year. You know, humans, we are social beings and being seen, felt seen are so important. You know, it's one of the reasons why I truly enjoy and believe in counseling is for that person to to feel seen and, and heard by being in a safe place where someone listens without judgments. And with the theme for 2023, recognizing those people who go unseen, we look at honoring the people whose lives have been altered by overdose. You know, they are the fan, uh, friends and family members who are grieving the loss of a loved one, you know, those who work in healthcare and support services who, you know, have compassion for the work that they're doing. And a lot of people who are, you know, first responders to it, who are around, who witness these and experience these and, and try to be there and help for all that to, you know, really say we see you and and we recognize you and part of the hashtag for this year is we see you you know these are the voices that we should try to capture and you know amplify and their strength and experience should be held up to examples for all of us and too often they are left to bear the burden of this crisis alone and in silence and that's what this year's theme is all about. So, you know, can you learn more about it? You can go to www.overdosedate.com. There's a lot of information on it, ways to, to celebrate it. And talking about, you know, why release it now? You know, so this episode is being specifically released on August 31st to support International Overdose Awareness Day. And you're probably thinking it should have been released at the end of july or even to start the month of august and i strategically you know released some episodes later on to encourage us to keep pushing to do this work in overdose prevention and awareness you know it doesn't stop tomorrow in september even though you know 
September's recovery month, and it really, you know, is a good way to continue to push into that. But really, this is people's lives. You know, this is each and every day, you know, 365, 24-7, where this is something that we're going to talk about and recognize in August, but this needs to go on, you know, day in, day out. So what are we going to talk about in this podcast episode? And the title, Elevator to International Overdose Awareness Day, is really about when you get those moments to talk about overdose awareness, you know, what do you say? And in those moments aren't always like this, you know, where I can dictate as much time as I want in a podcast episode to it. You know, more often you're going to have that short moment, you know, that elevator pitch time to really say something meaningful to try and capture the attention of bringing awareness to overdose. So for me, you know, I think about moments like at a conference presenting and either during a presentation you know, maybe I get a minute or two dedicated to to a slide. You know, so when I was presenting at the National Conference on Gambling Addiction and Responsible Gambling, I was doing a breakout session on harm reduction and gambling, and I briefly discussed naloxone. You know, knowing some of the members of the audience, you know, I took a chance and said, if anyone here works in a casino or gaming industry, please consider having staff trained in naloxone available. You know, people who are using substances, you know, they may be at gambling establishments, and this is a moment where we should have some overdose prevention available. And I, I knew that that wasn't going to speak to everyone, but the hope was someone who may have been working in that industry or who was a staff member that might hear that and take that back and then be able to say, you know, this is something we might want to consider. You know, even at a, a conference, just having someone, you know, coming up to me and asking because of a pin I wear about having naloxone, you know, what do you say to them when they say, hey, well, what about that? You know, minutes in between going to the next breakout session or like someone's on their way to lunch. And how do I try to capture that attention right there? Another thing that comes to mind is, you know, at community events, you know, like we're offering resources, training, we're even doing naloxone. You know, someone walks up to your table and they, they could pass you by in seconds, you know, just walk right past you, you know, so what do you say to try and grab that attention and make that pitch to why they should get trained and carry naloxone? Or I get a text message or a social message, social media message, you know, from like a friend or uh, associate, someone that I, that I've known, and they ask about it, you know, what's the most important thing to try to say, you know, and moments like this exist all over. And I learned this when I did some advocacy, you know, tying it in with gambling and there's just like a few minutes to talk to a state representative uh, state representative you know so talk talk about getting your elevator pitch together and sometimes in those moments like these you can prepare and plan and have these like bullet points and other times they come up completely unexpected you don't anticipate that this is going to be asked and you try to take into consideration like who is the person you know what's what's their what do they want to know you know what's what's something that's going to grab their attention to continue to sort of, you know, elevate and bring awareness towards overdose prevention. So to raise awareness, you know, we need to have something to say in these moments and not get caught off guard thinking that, well, I don't have enough time or, you know, is there something more to be able to give someone or talk to? And the the answer is sometimes it's those seconds, you know, minutes to try to make the point across. So this is what the purpose of this episode is, putting together just a bunch of things when it comes to talking about overdose awareness that can help with 
raising that awareness. And a lot of the points are going to be in reference to naloxone, which is a medication approved by the Food and Drug Administration designed to rapidly reverse opioid overdose. And it is an opioid antagonist, meaning that it binds to opioid receptors and can reverse and block the effects of other opioids. So that's important because that's going to be one of the main things that we can do to not only raise awareness for overdose, but also to help save those who are experiencing an overdose. So I have listed a total of 20 different just elevator pitches. And that's just what I'm going to go through and leave with that. And hopefully that gives people some ideas of, you know, what they can think about it, you know, where they might be on overdose and what they might be able to do or think they can do. But also when you're having a conversation with someone or someone asks you a question, you get that moment. You know, these are things that you can keep in the back of your mind when that happens. So Right away, let's get started, get on this elevator ride to International Overdose Awareness Day and talk about these points. So number one, preventable, not unstoppable. You know, the concept of preventable deaths covers deaths which could have been avoided by public health interventions focusing on like, you know, wider determinants of public health, such as behavior and lifestyle factors, socioeconomic status and environmental factors. So one thing to really realize is that these overdose deaths are preventable. There are things we can do to prevent these from happening. That is not something that is unstoppable that we cannot do. These are preventable and there are ways that we can address these and help people to continue to stay alive when they are experiencing an overdose. Number two, know the signs. The signs of an overdose are really important. You know, some of them include, you know, shallow, slow, um, or just absent of breathing. There could be some extreme drowsiness or unresponsiveness. The person may be difficult to wake up or they might not respond. Pinpoint pupils. You know, the person's pupils may appear very small. There could be a bluish tint to the the nails and the lips and basically a lack of a lack of oxygen can cause some bluish discoloration in these areas there could also be a slow or weak pulse you know the heart rate may slow or be irregular so know the signs be aware of that you could be coming across someone or see someone that is experiencing signs of an overdose number three it's not just Narcan. So Narcan gets talked about a lot, but there are different options of naloxone available. And the two forms of naloxone that anyone can use is nasal spray and injectable. So it's important that when we talk about naloxone, we talk about all of its forms and availability in many forms and not just one. So making sure that it's not just using Narcan or talking about accessibility to Narcan or expanding it, but it's just naloxone in general is what we need to push towards. Number four, don't keep receipts. You know, saving a life is what matters. You know, when people say yes, naloxone saves lives, but like there is no but. It saves lives. That's what is most important. All of that but comments won't matter if the person does not survive. And we shouldn't keep receipts for people who are given naloxone, meaning that the purpose of administering it and giving to them is just keeping them alive. That's the purpose. It is not, I'm giving this to you or administering this, but now here's what you must do, or this is what you go, you have to go do. You know, it's it's not what that's about. It's there to, to save a life, ditch the receipts. 
Number five, snoring is not okay. You know, if someone's making unfamiliar sounds while sleeping, it's worth trying to wake them up. Many, you know, loved ones or individuals who aren't experienced with it think that if a person was snoring and they leave them believing they are okay, and often they'll return later to find that their loved one has passed. So snoring can make it seem as if like someone's alive and they're breathing, but it's really, really important to make sure that someone is awake and alive and that they are that not believing just because they're snoring that I can leave them. It's a very concerning thing when it comes to overdose. Number six, can't and don't use alone. So naloxone is administered to someone after an overdose has occurred. So because the individual who overdosed is likely unconscious and, you know, their moving is being restricted, they need assistance. So they're, they're not using it by themselves. They're not going to be able to administer it on themselves. And this is why it's also really important that we talk about not using alone. That's one of the most unfortunate things when you, you know, read about these, hear about these is the person, you know, ends up dying alone and and they're discovered alone. And that's why using naloxone alone is not going to work, but also using substances alone is very high risk because no one is there to be able to, you know, call for help or to use naloxone if it is available. Number seven, no RSVP for naloxone parties. So there are no naloxone parties. So this is a, you you call it a myth, misunderstanding, misinformation, whatever you want to call it, but there are no naloxone parties with like bowls of naloxone you know ready for people to use substances and then immediately administer it or doing it so much and so much in an attempt to then use naloxone on someone so anytime you look at like some article i came across on the other day um just poor journalism is i guess the nicest way to put it but there was a lot of talks about it but yet like nothing ever confirmed you know the quotes were this is what we've been hearing or this is what we've been told or this would make sense to but in reality that is not something that is going on number eight more harm without using so there is more harm likely to occur by not administering naloxone. Naloxone won't harm someone if they're overdosing on opioids or other or substances. So it's always best to use if you think someone is overdosing. It also won't harm someone if they are not taking opioids either. So there's more likely for harm to occur by not administering it than if you were to administer it. Number nine, gateway, not a roadblock. There is no evidence to support that naloxone prevents people from seeking treatment. In fact, research shows that naloxone can help provide options, choices for people who want to seek help upon their own choosing. So it's not that it's putting up a roadblock and that people aren't getting treatment or aren't seeking services because they have naloxone. In fact, people are more likely to connect with resources, connect with treatment, connect with other services because of having naloxone and obtaining it. Number 10, there's first responders and there's first responders. People who use substances are often first responders when it comes to overdoses. There was a statistic given by a SAMHSA presentation that I went to that two-thirds of overdoses are witnessed. And paramedics, law enforcement, other personnel are usually the first professional first responders to arrive. 
but there are usually other people there who use substances who are also at the scene when this happens. And we need to provide more protection for people who use drugs who are often the first responders. And they have the best chance of helping like to reverse an overdose. This is where we need more protection for the Good Samaritan laws. And we need it to be where someone shouldn't be afraid to save a life. Someone shouldn't worry that their freedom is going to be taken away or something's going to happen to them because they chose to save a life. And then when paramedics or law enforcement arrive, that now they are going to get in trouble. Number 11, intervention, not punishment. Naloxone should never be used for punishment. It's to save someone's life and not to apply consequences on top of someone who is already at a critical moment of just trying to stay alive. Experiencing overdose is a is impactful enough that piling on top of consequences for someone who is just trying to stay alive is not going to be the best for them. So it is to intervene and to help, but it is not to punish. Number 12, fire extinguishers and defibrillators. So believing naloxone is enabling substance use is saying fire extinguishers enable fires and defibrillators enables heart attacks. You know, these are things that help when these occur. So when someone's having a heart attack, if a defibrillator is going to help that person, when there is a fire, a fire extinguisher is going to help with that. When someone is having an overdose from opioids, naloxone is going to help with that. You know, it is not enabling and it does not mean people are going to be even riskier with their behavior. It just means that this behavior is occurring, it's existing, there's risks to it, and this is how we help to reduce the harm with it. Number 13, stop saying naloxone doesn't work. Sometimes we hear people say naloxone doesn't work with other substance. And while that may be true, it's not a reason to stop administering naloxone. And this is often said with like xylazine and when it's like mixed with fentanyl. And the concept is that fentanyl is still what's causing the overdoses and we don't want people to stop administering it because it won't do anything with the xylazine and that's the worry right that someone is going to hear that like oh naloxone doesn't work and then because of that they're going to consider not administering it thinking it won't work on one of the possible other substances that are involved what's most importantly if someone's experiencing an overdose and there are opioids involved that naloxone is recommended to administer so yes it may not work against every other substance and it's really only made to work for opioids but it doesn't mean we should not administer it because we think there are some other substances involved it's still highly recommended to do that number 14 i don't use why carry so this often gets brought up when we're talking to people who may not be using substances or people who are not even abstinent or who are recovering from it. But why should same old you know person who may not have any sort of like involvement in this carry it? And the reality is there isn't a reason why someone should not carry it. You know, it doesn't matter you know who you are, what you do, your experience. You know, everyone should be able to have access to to train and obtain it and administer it and a lot of people i know who probably never would have thought had it or or decided to carry it do now because of you know chances of coming across someone who may have an overdose and the potential to step in and save a life and help someone so it's it's not about you know 
do I need it because of my own history? That may be true, but even if you don't have that history, that connection, you are still someone that can carry naloxone and administer it if needed. Number 15, more availability, not higher doses. So we don't need higher doses of naloxone. And what's more important is greater availability and training for people. More well, in a dose, right? Like won't help more people. But greater availability and training to have a, a far greater impact is what's important. So looking at higher doses of naloxone is not necessarily what we need. The best thing is having more of it and, and more available so we can have a, a wider ranging impact. Number 16, beyond expiration date. So while expiration and storage conditions may impact the potency of naloxone, there's no evidence that exists to prove that expired naloxone is harmful when administering during an overdose event. So even if it is expired, or even if it um, may not have been in the most ideal conditions, it's still important to use. There's a there's a chance that it can still help and do what it's supposed to do. So even if there's an expiration date and it passes, still keep it, still attempt to use it if need be, but also then work on getting um, some more. Number 17, insulin and naloxone. So what does insulin have to do with naloxone? You know, some people do not support naloxone. And the the reasoning is it because of it being free. Although I don't know if I would say it's entirely free, like it's costing money somewhere. Um, but because insulin is not for people with diabetes, like, well, why are we having naloxone free for people to still use substances? And as someone with type 1 diabetes, I do not agree with this statement. In all my years of being treated for diabetes, this has never really come up on our side of issues, like with any medical providers, you know, to anyone who won't support naloxone until insulin's free for all, like you can, you can fight for both. You know, I think everyone deserves support and everyone deserves, you know, access to, to care. So as a type 1 diabetic, I do not have an issue that naloxone continues to be made available and the the issue with you know diabetes and insulin and and supplies is a whole nother issue but we can advocate for both we don't have to pin one against the other that is not um, in anyone's best interest at all number 18 regretted having and using naloxone it's something I've never had someone talk about. Like I've never heard, and I've, I've tried, tried thinking about this. Like, was there ever a moment that I had someone who was like, you know, I really regretted having it. You know, like I can't recall ever having an individual or a loved one or like a parent or like a peer, like a treatment provider trying to go down the list of, you know, like first responder who was saying, you know, I, I just used this and it, it, help someone who's going through an overdose and I think back now and I, I shouldn't have had it. You know, I've never had someone say that. Unfortunately, what what is often heard is someone wishing they had it in moments when they did not. So I've I've never had someone, you know, vocally explain having a regret of possessing it or using it. It's often been that they didn't have it when they they really would have wanted it and, and now it being 
too late, but not too late for others. You know, a lot of times those people will still carry it or continue to it because of the impact that it has on other people and loved ones in the community. So the, the, the regrets I hear more often is of not having it, not having it and using it. Number 19, not want, but have. You know, I stopped asking people if they wanted it and just start asking if they have it. You know, if I ask if they want it, there can often be a, you know, need to try to explain it more or trying to encourage them. It kind of gives a moment to, you know, think about it and possibly come up with reasons why they wouldn't. But for me, it's more of like, if I ask if they have it, it sort of becomes like a yes and no. And if it's, you know, yes, you're good or no, you know, let's see if we can get you some or let's get you some. So it was a little bit of like a hack, I would call it to focus more on the the mindset of not whether someone needs it or not, but whether someone has it or not. And that can make a very easy discussion of then how to obtain it. Number 20, out of all these things that we put in here is that people who use substances deserve dignity, compassion, and respect. You know, failing to believe they're worthy of being saved from an overdose is surely a way to dismiss what it means to value the individual. So with all those things, when we use, you know, harm reduction, and we treat people with dignity, compassion, respect, we treat them in a humane way that meets them where they're at and doesn't abandon them. And that's really important when it comes to overdose awareness. So when it comes comes down to it, to support International Overdose Awareness Day, you know, get trained, you know, get to know the signs of an overdose, get access to naloxone and administer it to anyone who might be experiencing an overdose. You know, this is how we prevent what some people call unstoppable. This is how we care and give hope to everyone in our communities. Thanks for listening and hope you learned something. You've been listening to Talking Addiction and Recovery with Andrew J. Schreier. We're so glad you've joined us and invite you to connect further with the show and these topics at www.andrewjschreier.com. That's Andrew J. S. C. H. R. E. I. E. R.com. You can also email us directly at talkingaddictionandrecovery at gmail.com and connect on social media Instagram at Talking Addiction and Recovery, Facebook, Talking Addiction and Recovery Podcast, and Twitter at TalkAR underscore podcast. To stay connected and never miss an episode, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, friends, let's keep talking addiction and recovery.